This is the Home Health Revealed podcast. Hear stories from real industry leaders discussing topics affecting the ever-changing home health industry. Welcome to Home Health Revealed. I am your host, Mike Greenley. I have my co-host here with me, Hannah. 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 Yes. How you doing today? I am doing well. You know, okay, can we talk about that H sound for a minute? Whenever I go to like get coffee anywhere, anywhere that they ask your name, I always get Anna because you have to like. How you doing? (laughs) Anyways. That's my Joey impersonation. Oh, from Friends. How you doing? Thanks. Well, we have Hannah and Anna. Yeah, on our team. Yeah, which really messes me up. Yeah. Hey, did you know um, somebody said I sound like Matthew McConaughey? You know, it made you feel pretty good that somebody said that, obviously, because you brought it up again. Yeah, I think Matthew McConaughey, have you read his book or listened to his book? Yes. Green, Green Lights? Green Lights. Yes, I have. And I think it was one of his greatest performances. I loved listening to it. I love when people read their own books and I'm kind of an audible junkie. I like audible too, because I don't really read, um, especially the books that are like, have big words in it. Hmm. So if I, I listen to it. I love to read. I just don't necessarily have time. And if I can listen, I can do whatever I need to do while I'm listening. You know, so today we don't have any guests. Nope. Just us. For you today. But we got a really, really great topic. I love the topic because it's, yeah. it's everyone's struggling with staffing. Mm-hmm. And it's known as the great resignation. In fact, yeah. everywhere you kind of go, you see that the great resignation is in full swing. Yep. So what the heck is this? So the great resignation, that term was coined by a professor at Texas A&M. He was talking about during the pandemic, so 2020, 2021 timeframe, there were a lot of people quitting their jobs, leaving their jobs, reevaluating the work that they were doing and quitting. Thus the great resignation. So, yeah. And so, um, we're going to tie this to healthcare mm-hmm. because healthcare, there's a lot, a lot of jobs in healthcare. And we found some, t- some statistics that really caught our attention. Yeah. And then what we're going to do is we're actually going to give you the stats, um, tell you a little bit about information around those stats. And then we thought the best way to go about saying, okay, if this is real, which it is, and, and we want to we want to provide feedback on what do you do, yeah, right? Because we've got to deal with this because we hire people all the yeah. time as well, recruiting, hiring. And we thought the best way to go about this would be looking at from generation to generation. Yes, um, I think it's something that's missed in the workforce. I think people just you know they they've got their processes and everything in place and they hire and and I don't know because I know we did not really take time to look at each generation. And when we did that, we found out there's different values. In each generation. Yes. So, so maybe there's not a one size fits all benefit program anymore. And if, if you haven't tried this or if you haven't looked at the generations and looked at your staff and said, okay, based off my staff, where do they fall and what's important to them? Yeah. I don't know if this would be a, you know, the, the fixer of all fixers, you know, even though I'm a great handyman, I don't know if you've seen our front door though. So our front door, um, I know, I know this is not on the subject, but this is important. So every once in a while, I, I get this, this urge that I've got to fix something, right? <laughs> okay. and, the, and the older I get, the more I think I'm great at it, right? So the wife and I, we decided we're going to go to Home Depot. We don't go to, we go to Lowe's sometimes, but Home Depot, it's more manly. 
Really? Well, I like Lowe's, so there that proves more, your point, I guess. It's more contractor grade, so when I walk in there, I feel like, you know, I, I need a tool belt. Hoorah. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. So we go to Home Depot, and um, I don't know where I'm going with this. Oh, my front your door. Your front door. My front door. So, because uh, the door didn't work, it didn't it didn't open. It opened from the outside, but it wouldn't open from the inside. I, I'm not sure why, right? Because if it opened from the outside, why the heck would it? But anyway, it, and it's a custom door. And so there's different size handles. I have bought, this is no kidding, I, no joke. I have bought 12 to 13 different handles that don't fit the door. So now we have a door with no handle on the inside. So I got to fix that. I got I to gotta figure it out. So I got to hire a contractor. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the problem is like, I'll start these projects realizing I'm not that talented. And then I've got to hire someone after everything's already broken and taken apart because you can't put it back together. Right. Yeah. Last time I fixed the washing machine or the dryer, I ended up with like four extra screws. Oh, that's And what's crazy is I unnerving. asked Whitney, I was like, Whitney, listen, here's the deal. If I'm going to take this thing apart, because I had to put a new uh, heating belt in it or timing belt or whatever those things are. So you have to take the whole inside out. Right. So I was like, all right, Whitney, here's the deal. I'm going to, on my phone, I'm going to have YouTube and, and I'm going to watch the guy do it. And then I need you to video me doing this because whatever screw I take out, I'm probably not going to remember where it went. Right. So. If you can picture this, I said a few cuss words back there, uh, invented a couple, right? I asked for forgiveness for those, but I did say a couple. Um, and, and still with me watching the video, her video and me, we still ended up with four extra screws. So we sold the dryer. <laughs> <laughs> we got rid of it. We're like, you know, let's just go buy a new one. Yep. Forget about it. All right. So back to the great resignation, a couple of statistics I want to read out to you, Hannah. I want to know what you think about this. Okay. So 3.6% of healthcare employees quit their jobs in the previous year, last year, 2021. Okay. Giving uh, healthcare one of the highest resignation rates in the industry. Wow, that is incredible. So, I mean, we know the great resignation applies across the board. I mean, you can't go anywhere right now that there are not job openings, vacancies, whatever. But even more so, we're seeing higher numbers within healthcare and specifically home health and hospice. That's, that's a great point. My next, next statistic is 32% of nurses say they're likely to leave their current position this year, which is up from 22% last year. That's massive. 32%. That's nearly a third of nurses That's in the right. workforce across, what, is this U.S., I'm guessing? Yeah, I'm assuming so. Okay. Wow. We, we Googled it, so I mean. Yeah, so clearly. We're I mean, going with that. So uh, 41% of workers will look for a new job in the first half of this year. That's scary. You got 4.4 million people that quit their jobs in September of 2021 that set a new record. You got 10.6 million jobs that are vacant and you got 73% of employers saying they're struggling to hire employees. And, yeah, and that's not surprising. I mean, we hear time after time that staffing shortages are such a challenge. But that's, I mean, 73%. I still don't know that I would have thought it was 73% of employers that are really struggling with staffing. I think the scary statistic is that 41% of workers are going to look for a new job in the first half of this year. Yeah. I mean, if I'm running a company, which we do, mm -hmm. right? Um, I mean, that's almost 50% of your staff. Think, yeah. about, think about what that would do, right? And, and we've seen restaurants that have closed because they can't find workers. 
Yeah. We've heard from a lot of home health and hospice agencies that are struggling. And, and this statistic on nurses and the statistic that people are looking for new jobs, it really poses the question, why? Yes. I, I get the pandemic. I get that things happen. And, and, and now there's this new movement on everyone quitting, um, which I don't understand. Well, I think so. I think for healthcare in particular, you had an, a pandemic that caused workers to have to work more hours, caused some people to quit. The people who were there, who stuck it out, had increased hours and did not have like a timeline of when relief was going to be coming. So there's the exhaustion. Then there was the vaccine mandate, right? That yeah. was imposed. And whatever side of that coin you were on probably felt very strongly about that caused some people to resign during that time. And so it's just been a compounding problem. Then as employers are trying to attract new employees and keep their staffing, they are offering incentives. They're trying to find creative ways to meet the needs of their staff. But I think what that is doing is causing current staff to say, well, I could move over there. I could get this over here. And so it's creating a menu of opportunities for staff. And so they're, they're like, yeah, I'm open to the idea of moving. Yeah. And you know, we hadn't even talked about the 12% that will retire. So you've got, you got people retiring, mm -hmm. right? And some of them are retiring earlier because of all this stuff. You've got people leaving and, and it's hard to find new people, right? So for me, how do you get loyalty? How do you, how do you, now, okay, once we find the people, right? So once you find employees, and I'm talking about anybody that is hiring. Can you get loyalty? How, can you get loyalty anymore? Is that a thing of the past uh, or does it still exist? And, and how do you drive productivity with fear that if you drive too much productivity, you're trying to get, you know, people to, you know, actually do their jobs, what I'm calling it, right? even, you know, perform, if you push them too hard, you got all these stats of people leaving and you got this new great resignation thing that's the next, you know, spin word of the month. How do you do that? And how do you hold people accountable? Where's the loyalty? How do you get people's loyalty? You tell me. Well, I think we have to look at those generational tendencies in order to really find what values each generation holds and think about the the generations that are leaving and then the generations that are coming in, how we meet those values, how we as a company or as an employer can meet those needs of that generation. Because I know like, you know, for the baby boomer generation that's leaving, they were more that loyal generation. Their average time at a job was between nine and 10 years. And I, I will say like my family, my dad is a baby boomer generation. And he has been at his job for 34, 35 years at the same job. He is very loyal to his company. He doesn't miss work. They valued that consistency and that longevity. And then you get to my generation, right? So you are the next generation, which would be Gen X. Yep. We can talk about what you value, but I think for my generation, we tend to move jobs, and these are statistics that we've looked up on Google, but we tend to be at a job for 2.9 years. That's a very large difference. We are not afraid to move opportunities. We are not afraid to look and see if the grass is really greener somewhere. We are higher risk 
takers. So, so let's break down before we get into the generations. Sure. Um, let's talk about the remote working, right? Because okay. with, with the pandemic now, a lot of people are working remote. Yes. And um, we found that it says that 39% of workers say that they'll quit if their employers weren't flexible about remote working. So that's telling me that working remotely is, is across the board very important. Now, on top of that, they've also found that 55% of people that work from home are more productive. So we're talking about how do we increase loyalty? How do we increase production? We did the research. One thing tells us that's important in today's work workplace is to being able to work remote. Do you agree with that? Yes, I definitely do. Do you get lonely at home? Me personally, I don't like working from home because I am a people person. But I, I know that a lot of people would say that, yes, these statistics are true. Obviously they are. I'm, I'm not everybody, but if, you know, people get more done working at home in their pajamas, then by golly, get it done. Yeah. I mean, I, I've worked from home for a long time, but I do get bored. You do? Yeah. I mean, there's times that, well, cause no one's around, right? So you yeah. say you're a people person. I think most people are people person. I mean, I think they want to be around people unless you're like a developer, you know, those people just kind of like their computer. Yes. Right? and avatars but for real i mean that that is one thing i would i would say that is remote working statistically is is one answer to this right can you do it and can you do it effectively and then you gotta still build in some type of camaraderie Mm -hmm. at least monthly or quarterly or something because you got to get everybody together right right now another thing that i I thought was really interesting is stress Mm mm-hmm so yeah, we talk about stress a lot. And so um, I get anxious. You ever get anxious? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. What was the first time you get anxious? The first time. Have you, have you been anxious today? I, yeah. What about? I mean, I think everybody deals with some level of anxiety and anxiety to some degree is healthy. But I think what you're referring to is like an, an over anxious to where you're not able to function or your brain is shifting and you're trying to figure out a problem solve because you're not able to deal with the level of stress in your life. That's called ADD. <laughs> no. Self-diagnosed. No. I think I yeah. have it. Self-diagnosed. <laughs> but I, in, I, I in healthcare. Forgot, I even forgot what you were talking about. I was already on to my next thing. <laughs> in healthcare. Yes, I know. In healthcare, I mean, there have been extreme levels of anxiety. And I think overall, as a culture, we've seen an increase in diagnosis, for sure, of anxiety. Demand gets higher as technology gets increasingly uh, available. There's just this instant gratification need. So stress leads to burnout. Yes. Okay. So of 93% of healthcare workers say they're stressed. Okay. 93%. 93%. So that's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know that that leads to burnout. Mm-hmm. And we know there's a lot of people quitting. Yep. We know that it's important to work from home. But when you break down the 93%, 86% are anxious. 77% are frustrated. That's the one that catches my attention. Frustrated. Frustrated. Okay, what is that? What are they frustrated about? Like anxious, man, I get everyone's anxious, right? You just said it. We're all anxious. I, yeah. I mean, there's just life in general that makes you, but what's the, what are they frustrated about? Right. Yeah. And is it the frustration that is leaning or, uh, or, or bringing the burnout, right? Because they get exhausted. Um, and then 75% say they're overwhelmed. So when you say overwhelmed, 
are we just becoming lazier as automation gets gets more ramped up? I mean, is is that it? I I think with automation, a lot of things leave our control, and that's where I think frustration can come in. Like you're dealing with circumstances and technologies and automated processes that are beyond your control. And as humans, we like to control things. I know I do. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying that, that how do you, how do you know if your employees are stressed out? I think you have to listen to them and be willing to. You ever think it's used as a cop out? Because yes, maybe they just didn't get absolutely. their job done. And so they're just going to say, well, I'm stressed out. Yes, absolutely. Anything can be used as a cop out. Do I think that COVID is being used as a cop-out? Yes, absolutely. Do I think that there's legitimacy to what people have gone through and that people have lost things and people and had their lives like uprooted because of COVID? Yes, I think there's legitimacy to that too. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, so how long do you think it would take, if this is, this is true, how long do you think it takes to re-engage your staff? Mm. I think re-engaging is harder than engaging from the get-go with the same company. Yeah, so I'd, I'd be want to know how many, what percent of employees are even engaged today? So are they just going through the motions? How many are engaged? Because that kind of ties to me to the loyalty factor, right? How do you yeah. get loyalty? I think the real question you got to ask yourself, how many are even engaged right now, right? In what you're doing, your yeah. mission, your vision, what they're doing day in and day out. How do, you, how do you get them to, you know, is it training? Is it? You know, what do you got to do to get people re-engaged? I think that as an employer or as a company, uh, looking at the avenues that you use to portray and match those values, because you, you don't just want to say, this is who we are, right? You want to make sure that you are getting employees that match who you are as well, a company. Well, yeah, here's the other thing too, that I think a lot of employers miss is they miss that just because you have an employee that's doing something for your company right now, mm -hmm. they fail to often see what other talent they have. I think people are frustrated because there's more they can, there's more value they can add, but they've been hired to do one thing mm -hmm. and employers are so busy that they don't often take the time to find out what, it, what other things within the company would you like to do? Because we look at it, we're always trying to find the talent within the company like for blogs and right. We're always asking people to do that kind of stuff. What would they yeah. like to do? What would they, you know, enjoy doing? Because even the opportunity to step aside from what they do day in and day out, I think can, can re-engage an employee. Mm -hmm. So my advice would be to look within your organization and find, take the time to, to know your people. Um, because there's nothing more frustrating than losing a good employee because you didn't take time to get to know get to know them a little bit more and and this pandemic stuff that has went on forever um it, it has kind of changed the the dynamics of business mm -hmm. um and if more and more people are working remote it's even harder to build that relationship so i, I think employers got to go out of their way to get to know their employees and i think they they really need to find out from them besides what you're doing for the company today where, where else would you, where do you see yourself going? What else would you like to do? Because I think just being heard could go a long way. Yes. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. So let's break this down in generations. Let's get down okay. to this generation stuff because this is fascinating to me. Uh, these generation people. 
Um, I fall in one of these, you fall in one of these mm -hmm. and we're, we're going to talk about them and we're going to provide some insight here. You ready? You ready to do some? Insight? I'm ready. Okay, here we go. So we got your baby boomers. Yep. Now by definition, all right, I'm just going to give one there, you know, the age, right? So 1946 to 1964, they stay at their jobs eight years, eight years, three months is, is what they say. Okay. So they were around in the um, civil rights movement and their idea of living the American dream is, is prevalent. Yeah. Right? Owning a house, having a family, retirement. So these, uh, these events uh, at a job, they wanted a, a well-paying job uh, that allowed them to live comfortable living. Um, and then it talks about they just didn't feel they needed to leave. So as long as they got a good paying job, and they could live comfortably, they were happy. Yep. There's if, some beauty to that. There's a lot of beauty to that, yep. right? Um, now, unfortunately, they're, they're also retiring. Yes. This is, they're leaving the workforce right now. They're leaving the workforce. They're retiring. And so now you've got the Gen X people. Yes. Probably the best generation ever. Mm. Um, you do say so yourself? I do say so myself. Now, these are, these are, these are individuals or people, humans, born 1965 to 1980. Now, what it doesn't say here is that God spent extra time in 1977 because that was the best year. year you were born? Specifically April 24th, 1977. Wow. Anybody born on that day, that was like, it's, one, it's just fantastic. Up and coming. How old are you going to be? 45. 45. Actually, 45 in like how many days? What's today? The 8th? Yeah, something like that. So you might 24 minus the 8, carry the 1. Yeah. Uh, two days? Two days from now? <laughs> What's interesting about my generation because I can talk about my generation, is that we only stay at jobs about 5.2 years. And that is that is really spot on. For you? Well, yeah, just for, I mean, yeah, for me. I mean, I, typically five years. and But I would say it's because this generation kept getting promoted, right? Or was sought after, right? Because this is the, you know, after the baby boomers, this is the, you know, we entered the workforce and so we get workforce and we start doing really good. We take pride in what we do. And the next thing you know, you get promoted, but, and so you're typically getting promoted and you're going to another place because another place has heard of your talent, right? Yeah. So this, this generation, um, highest, edu highest educated, and we should let everyone know I dropped out of college twice, but I made it. But you still finished. But I made it. This uh, is also the generation where a lot of moms started working. So you guys had to be more self-sufficient. You had to do like whatever it took to get the job done. Yep. I, I just picture like kids climbing on the counters to get the can opener eat the spaghettios right was that you uh i don't know about spaghettios i latchkey kids though i, what used I mean to use uh crisco grease do you, I, I don't even know if they still sell crisco they do my mom still uses it it's a big old tub it's yep. white put it in your put it in your green beans you with your put, bacon grease by god you put it in everything yes you know? and it and i used to make french fries almost every day but you're right my, in my, your fry daddy did you have a fry daddy? There's no such thing as a fry daddy. There's iron skillets. That's what we use. Oh, we had a fry daddy. But mom did work. She worked a lot. She worked really hard. Dad was absent. And so I, that's where I learned to cook and kind of be the man of the house. And so I just kind of, kind of just took on that role, right? Um, it's the same where she instilled um, work ethic in me, but also she instilled the being a man of your word. And, and so- these are these are good people, these, these Gen Xers. They're 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 good people. Yeah, real really good people. But then you've got that we're self sufficient, 
resourceful. It's really important here. It says, been accustomed to caring for themselves as moms started to work. Yeah. And you mentioned that. And we, we like freedom. We value freedom, which again goes to flexibility, working from home, working remote, be interested in what you're going to do because we're going to get the job done. Yes. So when you're looking at your workforce, you got now you got two generations. You got to look at your baby boomers, they're retiring. Now you got your Gen X. What makes them happy? What do you think makes them happy? I think that Gen Xers feel good in a job well done. Like they love that mark it off their list. They have completed it, the job done, right? Not just mark off, I did my 40 hours. They want to like know that they've completed something. Well, you know, I hear it's funny about this generation or not funny, but when we go to your generation, it's totally opposite. We are willing to work whatever hours it takes to get the job done, right? So today you hear about people, oh, I'm throwing in 40 hours, 50 hours, 60 hours. And I always want to say, well, that's because you're not efficient, mm. right? That, that's just me. I, I say that all the time to you. But I'm just kidding with you because you work hard. But you know what I'm saying? We yes. Don't. You can be efficient, but we will work as many hours as it takes to get the job done. So we're not sitting there looking at it saying, well, I've worked this many hours. We're going to get the job done. Um, now, now then there's your generation. Yes. Okay. Now these are the up and comers. Me? Right? No, no. No, no. It's the next one. You yeah. guys are here. You're, you're 1981 to 1995. So explain to us your generation. And I know this is going to be all about you guys. So here we go. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, we were on the cusp of technology. Our childhoods we're not infiltrated with technology. We didn't have handheld devices and stuff like that. But as we grew up, we were introduced to all of that stuff. So we have really seen a lot of change, a lot of automation, a lot of technology in our lifetimes. You know, you talk about uh, you didn't have cell phones. No, we didn't. I got my first cell phone when I was 17. So I got my first one when I was 16. It was a bag phone. Yeah. Um, oh I gosh. only got it because that, that you could still cruise. Do you, do, you, do you, did you ever cruise? No. Is this like when people ride around in the car? Yeah. You cruise. Right. No. Yeah. So, <laughs> so this phone, uh, where do you, you just go to the gas station, right? Is that what you do? Well, you know, you drive, I mean, depending on what, where you live, there's different cruise places you, you cruise, right? It's cause nope, never did it. So anyway, I had a bag phone and you had to buy minutes. And so <laughs> I didn't have any money. So when we'd stop at a stoplight. I would just hit the button so it looked like I was talking on the phone because it would glow. Uh huh. That's how I was picking up the ladies. That's that's a great story. Yeah. You want to know how many I picked up? How many? I don't think very many, but I tried, that's and I funny. thought that was going to be a great a great way to do it because then they think, hey, I had money, right? I had a bag phone. Those were the kind of girls you wanted to attract. Well, I had a, I had a pager too. Oh my gosh! Most kids now don't even know what a pager is. Yeah, I don't even. Do I guess doctors have pagers. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. All, all that was good for was putting in numbers that made words for what? I don't even think you can buy them anymore. All right. right now, my generation is the largest generation in the workforce. So we make up the bulk of the workforce. We lived through the housing market crash. That was probably one of the most significant economic impacts of our generation. So, I mean, you know, there's a little bit of uncertainty there, but then we've also seen... You know, we lived through 9-11. The generation after us did not live through that. So all of the new security things and protocol um, they're accustomed to, we had to adapt to a lot of that. Like, I feel like we went through a lot of our freedoms being taken away in, in some ways. We definitely want to have a voice, a voice in the workforce. I know um, you're not going to want to 
address all of the femininity things, but uh, women in my generation have really had to make decisions throughout the pandemic specifically because, you know, of a lot of us waited to have children. I had kids uh, younger than a lot of my friends did. So we put professions first and then, you know, childbearing, whatever, childbearing years is that a thing, uh, later. So as we're making decisions about the Great Recession, right, when childcare was iffy and schools were being closed down, I think women were affected in a different way than men. I know we've made great strides when it comes to salaries and, and women in leadership and all of those things. So I don't want to get on a soapbox about all of that. Um, but we're not, we've not arrived yet. And so for women, there was this pressure of who's going to take care of your kids. If you're working from home, how's that going to look? Where's childcare going to come from? And so we were looking at it as a trade-off, right? Is it worth staying in the workforce or would it be more valuable for us to get out and, and take back those expenses and those uh, challenges during that time? Yeah, I think one of the biggest challenges for, for your generation is divorce rates are high. Yes. And so therefore, I think what you're, you're saying is that as a working mother, mm-hmm. um, if, you know, regardless of the divorce, but if you did get divorced, childcare is outrageous. Yes. And so therefore, you're weighing, do I pay for childcare or, or do I work, right? Yeah. And so you got to find a, 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 a position that will give you that, that flexibility. Right, because the other thing is, do you have the flexibility in your workday to pick kids up or to keep sick kids home or do all of these things that all of a sudden became such huge deals in the midst of the pandemic? Yeah. So I was raised by a single mother, so I have a lot of passion um, for that particular side of things because I, I saw her work a lot. And then I'd see her buy things for me that I know she could not afford, that I did not appreciate because you don't really understand that stuff, right? Right. Um, so that, that, that's very important. So when you look at that generation, and we're again, we're talking about this great resignation, these are important things to know. Like when you're at, at, in your place of employment, what can you do? Because you, you guys are known as the we culture, right? You want this work-life balance, which mm-hmm. you know I hate that word because what that really means is you guys want to you want the life part work gets in the way, but you guys call it work life balance. So there's this whole work life balance deal. But what, where that is important is, you know, with kids, cause mm-hmm. it is important. Now the remote working situation has become more prevalent. And because we do value that work life balance, I think for a lot of people that has allowed us to be more productive and multitask and get things done maybe on our own time schedule. So there's been some benefits as well. Like it's not all negative. Yeah. And so if you're an employer that allowed your employees to work remotely, now you're trying to bring them back into the office. One suggestion would be maybe they don't need to come back full time. Right. Right. That's a way to attract those types of people is to, if you can allow the flexibility, if you don't require somebody's presence, uh, all the time, then we see that as a benefit. I think it's kind of mandatory. I think if if you're gonna if you're gonna build a great culture, bringing someone back in the office when they've been accustomed to working for home past a year, year and a half, maybe even two years, the ability to you know take your kids to school, pick your kids up, you know, be there when you need to be there, 
um, is important. Mm -hmm. And I think that you need to create a model that this whole eight to five or whatever, that that you don't have to do that anymore. Right. Right. And if you're still trying to push that narrative, I I would tell you, get away from that because Hey, if they can be at work at 10 to three, I, here's my feeling. My feeling is they would work extremely hard from 10 to three and they would get more done from 10 to three than an eight to five job because that freedom is, you know, it's getting their engagement. Yes. It allows them to focus. Yeah. So I I think it's really important. So anything else you want to talk about your generation? I don't don't think so. I mean, I think altogether we're, we're just that we're kind of the hinge, right? We really hold that generation before us in respect in some ways, but then I think we see the things that we're doing as a little bit better or finding better processes, better ways to do things. So there's going to be a shift in leadership, but we have to be cognizant of the generation after word. us. That was a really big word. You liked it? Yeah, it Can you big. spell it? No. Uh, we have to be aware, especially of the values of the generation after us, because as we are moving up in age and in leadership, consequently, we have an entry level workforce coming in Gen Z. Yeah. So how would you, you're right. You guys are now stepping up into leadership. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're going to see more remote, more non-custom type of work environments that we're most, yes. most of used to. Right. So then you got the, these, these Gen Z, right? So yep. they were born between 1996 and 2012. Yeah. Um, now their average time. So this is one of your challenges here. They stay at a job for two years and three months. That's it. Yeah. So you think about how much money it takes to recruit, to train, develop. If you're running through staff every two years, this is a problem, right? Yeah. How, how do you deal with this problem? Um, I don't know that I have a solid answer or a one size fits all answer, but I think we have to be aware of the culture that they want to work in. Because the best way to keep these Gen Zers is to realize that they are the culture creators. And so if you allow them to create a culture that they can be creative in, that they can work in, that they can feel successful in, you are going to be able to keep them longer. And they don't care so much about money necessarily. They do care about money meaningful. They want I would say if my generation is like, oh, we want work-life balance, this generation is we want work to be what we want to do all the time with our life. So they have created jobs that are interest-based. I have two girls that are in this generation. I, my two kids, two of my kids are okay. as well. These kids, they don't take the phone away from their face and they're so busy doing TikTok videos like 10 second segment of dancing. That's a concern to me because I, I think this generation, and again, I can say this, I have two kids. This is totally, I, I didn't look any of this up. This is my feeling about it is they live in a fake false world where I don't think in this generation, they really have a lot of true, good, close buddies because they're all living in this posting world. And so the reason why I bring it up, it's not to knock them, but it's to say if they, if they're not used to relationships, real relationships, and I I just don't think they are right. I think, again, I think these kids are so mean to each other in posting. I mean, I see it all the time. You talk about bullying and stuff like this, but I mean, this whole fake world that they live in, 
that this is their world. Like this is avatar world that like you do VR, man. They're, they're all about VR, like Oculus and yeah, yeah, stuff like that. But I mean, really it's, it's how do you engage someone or this group when they're not accustomed to relationships? Is that even fair to say? I think it's fair to say because you know, when we were kids, right? If someone says they're doing something or they couldn't do something because maybe they didn't want to hang out with you. Well, now they post it all right. Yeah. And so that makes the other person mad because, well, they couldn't hang out or whatever. Now all of a sudden they're out doing something else. Right. So you can catch them, right? This is how we catch our kids doing everything. Right. Is through social media. But I mean, this is, this is a tough, this is a tough generation. I think this is the toughest challenge that millennials, when they step into a leadership role, how do they, how do they dive in? How do they get these people? Because if they're average 2.3 months, that is not going to help you grow a company. How do you touch these people? You say they want to be valued. They want to drive culture. Yeah. I think it's a challenge. This is also the most unhappy generation. They've reported the highest levels of anxiety, the highest levels of suicide. Yeah. So the CDC came out uh, with a study just not too long ago that said um, about, oh, I can't remember this. I think it's one in uh, five kids have thought about suicide. Yeah, that was the statistic. Um, and I, I want to say there's somewhere around 40 or 50%, I can't remember the exact percentage, that say they're unhappy. Yeah. Now, I think this generation is also spoiled. I think I think they have access to stuff that... Instant gratification. Absolutely. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they see what other people have, vacations are going on, all this other stuff. And so what they see is what they don't get. And so I, I just, I think it's really a, a really big challenge for these to keep them happy. Now, I... I'm going to say my kids are a little bit younger than yours and I'm kind of a mean mom and I don't let them have social media. They don't have phones. Oh, oh, wait a minute. One's got a phone. No. Yeah. I thought you said your husband got him a phone. Oh no. We, we got a, cause we couldn't get a landline. We got a oh, phone so, oh, for home. Blame it on the phone company. Can you get a landline anymore? And we have, sometimes if we have to be somewhere, you know, like recording a podcast or something, one of them's supposed to get home. We just want to be able to text that we're home, but they don't have any social media accounts. The phone doesn't like go in their pocket. So did you get them a flip phone or did you get them a smartphone? No, it's, it's just a smartphone. It's so just an could, Apple. So if you, they just need to call it, why didn't you get them a flip phone? I don't know. Because of the deal that was going on, I guess. Okay. So bad econ- um, it was bad economics. <laughs> I can blame whatever you want. <laughs> uh, resale value, I'm sure was, was the cause of it. But what I'm, what I'm saying, they're a little bit younger, so I don't want them to have those influences. And I personally don't think they should have a phone until they should, they can pay for it. And they're not quite old enough for jobs yet. That's a whole nother conversation about parenting. But what I'm saying is they do like, they want to be part of things that are meaningful. And so if they feel like what they're doing is just factory work, they're not energized by that. So they want to be part of a culture that matches their values and that is what I think is causing this generation to move around. They get there, they realize that the company does not match their values and they need to go elsewhere where they feel like they are more appreciated, they are more um, loved, if you will, that they can be true to themselves in that company. Yeah, so here's the gist of this, right? So you've got the, the great resignation. We know that remote working is important. And our belief is that the whole point of us doing today's podcast was to really talk about the generations and for anybody that owns a company in general, but mm-hmm. this is specifically to home health or hospice or in healthcare general is to really look at your generations mm-hmm. and, 
and and you may just have to adjust to to have different benefits or incentives that are going to re-engage these generations into your workforce. I think if you can do that successfully, I think you're going to be better off than than where you are today. Yeah. And I think you've got a, a at least a good foundation for how you're going to build the company moving forward. Yeah. So our next topic, um, next time we get together, we're going to talk about automation. And the reason why we're tying really this conversation and today into automation is because I think hiring is still going to be a challenge. Oh yeah. And so, so as companies, you're going to have to, to work on automate, automation, automation, automation. That was a trick word. Yes. I'm not even going to say it again because I don't think I could. <laughs> that, that, so we're going to talk about it. We're going to kind of tie it in. So it's kind of a two-part series, but really the automation is going to be talking about how do we make more things within our company automized. Is that a word? <laughs> no, automated. How do you know that's not a word? I don't think automized is a word. All right. I but, think you're thinking of itemized. <laughs> well, I'm from Ozark, so we kind of created own words. Wait, wait, so here's the deal. Here's what we like. We would like to hear from y'all. Yeah. And um, about what is it that, that from your generation, we want you to say what your what generation you fall into, what what you're looking for from from an employer, from working, right? Yeah. And um, so before we go, uh, you, you, you know the Ten Commandments, right? Yes. Okay, so give me three of what your business commandments would be. For where I would want to work? Yeah. Okay. Um, I would want somewhere that allowed me the flexibility to pick up my kids. So, you know, thou shalt allow me flexibility in managing my own time. Okay. Thou shalt acknowledge the contributions that I make to the company, to the culture, however that looks for me. And um, probably if I had one more, thou shalt provide opportunities that can showcase my talents, probably. Okay. Something like that. Two uh, and three are similar, I guess. You want to know what mine would be? Yeah. Number one, thou shalt bail hay. Bail hay. Yeah, because that's, that's hard work. If you've never done that, you need to do that before you even start working. Thou shall work on a farm. Oh, yeah. that's what I have worked on a farm. I have not bailed hay, but I have worked on a farm. And thou shall do what they say they're going to do. That Yes, that is a good one. Those are my three. Now, I would say those don't necessarily fit my generation per se, but those do fit me personally, especially doing what you say you're going to do. Yeah, no, that's I, heard, a big one. I heard yours. Yours are all about me, 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 yeah, me. Yeah, me, 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 me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, so... It, so as we close today, um, I really w- would love to hear what what generation you're from, what values you want to see in the work workforce, and then mm-hmm. if, if you get a little crazy and you want to give us your top three of your your work commandments, we'd love to read those and 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 we'll share those with you in the next podcast. Yeah, that'd be great. So we're going to sign off today. Thank you for joining us. Um, also, we'll post this on um, some video outlet that you know we'll let the millennials handle. Um, <laughs> but anyway, thank you all. Have a good day. Have a good one. This segment is powered by Velocity. Velocity provides insight and real-time data, allowing agency... It's data. It's not data. It's data. You say data, I say data. Anyways, tell them what it does, Michael. Why is it important? Why did Velocity bring them this segment? It allows agencies to transform their patient experience and improve their financial performance while, Hannah, reducing their operating expense. Yes. It provides data... In simple, easy-to-read dashboards, I love the dashboards, and reports that can be filtered as needed, they can be exported to CSV, Velocity's data 
is designed so owners and leaders can quickly see the health of the organization. Yeah, so the data lets them see the health of the organization. These reports make it super simple for agencies to implement process changes, workflows, and pinpoint where training and development is needed with the data. That's it. That's what Velocity does. It's the data.